Welcome to the Four Fires Podcast, where we talk about winning in all four of the essential areas of life. And here's your host, Alan Kemper. Well, welcome to the Four Fires Podcast. Um, Today, we are uh, talking with Justin Lambert. Um, Justin is a longtime Four Fires guy, uh, has participated in summits, uh, entrepreneur summits, and Rucks and executive coaching, and is now a uh, is now the chair of the Four Fires nonprofit. Um, Justin, excited to have you here. And uh, one of the things that I want to dig into, you know, we talk on the Four Fires podcast about all things Four Fires. It's it's fun because I mean, really, we just get to talk about life um, in all in all four dimensions. Uh, but today, what I really want to dig into with you is a little bit on the professional fire. Um, what are some of the things that you have learned and gleaned along the way? Um, so ultimately, what I'd like to do, start off with you introducing yourself, and, uh, and then we can kind of dig into a little bit of your professional journey. All right. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Justin Lambert. I am 38 years old. I currently live in Auburn, Alabama, uh, originally from Bruton, Alabama, and came to Auburn in 2002 and never left. Mm. Met my wife there. Um, We've been married for almost 14 years. I've got two little girls, Caroline and Kate. They are currently seven and four years old. Um, I'm a chemical engineering graduate from Auburn and somehow ended up selling women's clothes online, Mm -hmm. which led me to selling some other things online which led me to uh, some of the four fires and some of the, the lead stuff and has kind of allowed me to sort of semi-retire at this point in time or let somebody else sort of take over the reins and run the companies better than, than I could actually run them. Um, and it's led me to be able to do some more things like this that I you know, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy doing and am much more passionate about than, than women's clothes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so give me a... Give us an overview of so you graduated with a chemical engineering degree, right? And, and and a lot of us find ourselves early in our career. I call it professional flailing. Like we're just out there. For sure, we know we need to to find our place in the world. You came out. You, you did undergrad and grad school at Auburn. Correct. And uh, so you came out of Auburn with an MBA. Where did you go from there? What was what did your professional path look like? So about my junior year of chem, my chemical engineering program, I realized that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So it was sort of too late to turn around, mm-hmm. and I knew that if if worse came to worse, I could go work for a big oil company uh, somewhere not in Auburn, and I could make enough you know money to support my family, which is what I kind of felt like I would you know I'm supposed to do. And so decided to go to MBA school, fell in love with the entrepreneurship side of and the business side of MBA school, and ended up selling insurance okay. to small businesses. Uh, we graduated, graduated in December of 08, which was one of the worst times to graduate right. for entry-level positions. And I knew I didn't want to leave Auburn. Uh, my wife was working for the university. I uh, had great benefits and things like that. You know, for a young couple, that's very important. And decided to just, I'd rather change my career than move my location. And so anyway, sold insurance to 
Section 125 cafeteria plans to basically a lot of small businesses around Auburn, Columbus, Georgia, places like that. I, uh, I actually got held at gunpoint um, mm. while I was selling insurance in Columbus. Guy didn't know who we were. We had called him the day before to come meet with him, uh, came out and uh, knocked on his door. He didn't answer. We were walking away to our vehicles, and he came around the side of the house. And uh, we said, are you, you know, his name? And he said, well, that depends on who's asking. And he pulled a gun out and pointed it at us. And we were like, whoa, 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 we called you yesterday. You know, you already had a policy with us with your son. You know, so anyway, that was a life-changing moment for me. Yeah. It was a situation where I felt like I had, you know, gone down a certain path with my education and, and felt like that I had created some opportunities that shouldn't put me in those kind of positions. Mm-hmm. A few days later, I decided to quit mm-hmm. um, and try to just see if I couldn't start some businesses or create some opportunities for myself and ended up finding um, a cons- sort of a consultant job with a family friend that had a women's clothing store. Mm-hmm. And that led me... Uh, to discovering that that the way she ran her current store, she um, she had an opportunity to do some stuff online. We felt like it was a really good idea. Went back to the MBA school, uh, to my MBA professor there, and got her to do a feasibility study as a group project for the graduating class of whether or not a website or an online store would be a good idea, you know, for this current brick and mortar clothing store. Anyway, got the results back. It was great, and. She decided to let me run the uh, online store and her continue to running the retail store the way she wanted to run it. And that was music to my ears, man. It's my yeah. opportunity to sort of start my own little business, you know, without having to fully fund it myself or anything like that. And then within six months, the online store was doubling the revenue of the retail store. Wow. Um, we were all excited about it. I was super excited about it and wanted to grow the heck out of it and was a big fan of Shark Tank at the time. Mm. Uh, sat her and her dad down and did this huge Shark Tank pitch about how I could take it from a 2 or $3 million company to a $40 million company in what I felt like could be a time span of four years. And anyway, they loved every part of the presentation except the part where I asked for equity. Mm. Um, and I thought my equity deal was pretty fair. Uh I asked for 10% at a $10 million number, 20% at $20 million, 30% at 30 and 40% at 40 I capped out at 40 and would never own the majority of the company, even though 90-something percent of the revenue would be coming from my side of the business. She'd still have control. Anyway, uh, they came in about a month later and let me go. Uh, wow. Fired me. Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever been fired. Uh, yeah. It was... Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty heartbreaking for me and my wife because we thought we had kind of figured out what we were going to do. We had sort of kind of had plans to move um, over to Columbus where the, the store was at the time and um, were, you know, potentially talking about starting a family. And so anyway, that kind of just threw us for a really big loop. But I told my wife, I said, I can do this again. But the one problem I have is I have no idea what clothes to pick out. Hmm. So um, anyway, I had signed a non-compete. That wouldn't compete with anywhere for two years, within 100 miles for two years, and wouldn't solicit the current employees. So I went and talked to some attorneys about that, and they basically said that uh, you could fight it and you could win. They said, but it'll take you six months and at least 20 grand to do it. They said, if it was us, we'd get outside of 100 miles, and you can do whatever you want to do. So ended up starting the business down in Foley, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, had some uh, friends down there that uh, wanted to be a buyer. 
was currently working at a at a women's boutique down there just as sort of a sales associate and she kind of wanted more from her education as well so anyway we started the the mint julep shop the mint.com and that was in 2012 i guess okay and so we knew that we always wanted to bring it back to Auburn. Felt like Auburn was a great place to 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 carry that business uh, with with the recruiting pipeline from the university. Yep, and, you know from all the different um, degrees that that were offered there, we felt like applied to our company. And anyway, we also felt like there were ten thousand, you know, customers that could tell us what we were doing right and what we were doing wrong. And so anyway, we moved it back in two thousand fourteen, and. It's been churning ever since. And then from that, we've, you know, created a few other companies that sort of do the same thing, but just sell different products. So that's kind of, you know, when people ask me, how'd you get into women's clothing? I always tell them, well, I just graduated with a chemical engineering degree. So that's kind of your path um, (laughs) to to selling women's clothes online is to to go get a chemical engineering degree. Right. Well, and, but, but, but I think there was a, there was something about you recognized an opportunity. Oh, for sure. And... And then you just leaned in. For sure. Yeah, so what I felt like was my competitive advantage and still my competitive advantage, I feel like, is that I, I am not passionate about the products I sell. Mm. And I think that that it's not that I'm not passionate about them. It's that I don't have an opinion about them. Mm. Like, if we're going to sell a red dress or a blue dress, that doesn't bother me. Like, I, I could care less which color we send. But what I do care about is taking care of the customer. And I felt like a lot of the business owners that were in that industry cared more about what they thought about the product versus what the customer thought about the product. Wow. And for us, I mean, we, you know, we use spreadsheets and data and everything else for the, you know, to, sh- to show and to prove what the customers are asking for. And also, too, you know, there may be customers that want, there may be 100 customers that want the blue dress, but there may be 300 that want the red dress. Well, you know, then we know to buy you know, the red to blue ratio of three to one. So, you know, we, we use a lot of data in what we do. We felt like some of our other competitors uh, weren't doing that. And those that are doing it that we can tell have, have, have done really well in that industry. And so that's kind of, we've, we've looked for those other opportunities in other industries where we're like, you know, where, where are we not opinionated about the products and can, you know, we would lean more into using the data versus mm. than using our own opinion about what we thought the customer would want versus what the customer's actually telling us that they want. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really telling, especially for entrepreneurs who are, because most of the time an entrepreneur leans in because they are passionate about for sure a product for or sure. a service that for they're sure. delivering. And they're so much tied up in what they believe it should be. Right. Uh, and I think that's an interesting point for you to, to say, you know, that we're going to manage through data. Right. And I think that's a, that's a big key to Because one of the things I've had a bunch of, well, I've had several buddies that ask me, like, when are you going to, you know, are you going to do men's clothes? Or, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, for guys, like, we'll buy one pair of pants and wear them for 20 years. You know, <laughs> whereas ladies don't like to wear the same thing twice. So right. which one of those do you want to be selling? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, too, I do feel like if, I mean, if I sold hunting clothes, mm-hmm. I would totally have an opinion. Right. You know, right. And, and and I could see where I would turn in to the to the to the person that I'm actually able to beat in the other industry, and I could see where you know m- my my own opinions about my products could you know get in the way of what I should actually be doing for my customer versus what I would want to be doing for myself. Yeah. Well, and to be to have the business be successful. That's right. Um, you, yeah, you got to get over yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so I think that's I think that's a cool, and, I, and I've had an opportunity to kind of look on the inside of the companies yep. that you work in, and, and and it's very true. Y'all are very data driven. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about the stress of the start, because you know everybody, everybody, people will see where you are at thirty eight, and the companies that you run, and you have been able to semi-retire and, and that you, you're not going into the, I mean, it's more about it's, it's financially free. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You, you're not spending a lot of time in the office right. uh, at this point in your life. Correct. Um, by, and by choice, if I wanted to, I could go in there and do it. But mm-hmm. right now with where I am, that's what I want to do. And I feel like that's what, you know, yeah. the financially free financial freedom, that verbiage, that's kind of what it creates for you is that opportunity to pick and choose what you want to do. That's right. So that's the outcome that everybody sees right now. Right. But what they don't see, you know, everybody said, you know, every every uh, overnight success is years in the making. For sure. And and particularly what I think it is, is it's a couple of essential choices and sacrifices uh, and risk yep. that most people won't ever really understand. So, yeah. so talk to me. There's this moment of like, I've heard you describe it as like a moment of devastation when when you put that proposal forward and you thought, oh, man, this is what. I've got my life set up. I know where we're going. Yep. I'm going to have a, an opportunity to be an entrepreneur where I build something within another company. Right. And all of a sudden, that dream fell apart. Fell apart. Mm-hmm. To, go, a- to go back to your wife and say, hey, honey, I can do this. Right. But you're how old were you at that time? Ooh, 28. Yeah. So you're 28. You, you have a chemical engineering degree. Right. You don't have any support. What were the the hard choices that you had to make that if you had not made those back when you were 28, you couldn't sit here when you're 38 with the financial freedom that you have? Yeah, so I got got fired in the middle of February, and that was a dark – that was – those 30 to 45 days after that was probably the darkest Hmm. of my life, if I have to go back and look. Hmm. And so – it was just one of those things where you were you just felt like you worked so hard and you finally figured out life and I mean I always I use the term like I felt like I had life whipped. Like mm. I, I knew that I now I was going to make enough money that I could provide, I wouldn't have to worry about money anymore. You know, and now we could start all the things that you wanted to do in life that, you know, sort of money allows you to do. Start a family, get build a home, buy a home. Um, so anyway, that was, um, that was a very like devastating time because, you know, you're, you're raised and I, I did good in grade school. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did pretty good in college. Uh, I did, I did great in MBA school and I just felt like, you know, you're, you're sort of taught that if you do all those things right, that there's this prize at the end of all that, that you were sort of guaranteed. Yeah. And that is just not true. No. And it's becoming more apparent even even in, in today's day, and I feel like it'll be even more apparent from, from my kids, is that doing good in school and doing good in college and thing does not guarantee you a thing. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's that was a difficult time for us. Um, and then when we first, when we decided to start the company, um, it was going to require a lot of sacrifice between me and my wife. Uh, we decided to stay in Auburn while I started the business down in Foley. And what that was going to require me to do was basically drive back and forth. We decided that I would just drive down on either like a Sunday or Sunday night or Monday morning, and I would stay all week. Had a buddy of mine that was um, he had a spare bedroom um, down there, and he told me I could come stay for basically free if I'd help him pay for like power or cable or stuff like that. And um, 
stay down there for you know five days, four to five days a week there, and then drive back on the weekends. And that was yeah. when I would you know that was the only time I'd get to see my wife. And sort of we were still fairly newlyweds at that yeah. time, and two or three two or three years of marriage there. And so you did that for two years. I did that for eighteen months. Okay. Um, and so. And I always tell people when they start a business, like, I don't wish the first 18 to 24 months on my worst enemy. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a time in my life where I sacrificed everything mm. for the company. And it that included relationship with your friends, relationship with your family, relationship with your spouse, my diet. I mean, I remember it was a 15-minute drive to work and to, from, from, from the place I was staying to the office. And so... I would literally stop along the way and get fast food at mm. every single meal. Hardy's biscuit and gravy, you know, in the mornings and then Arby's sandwiches on the way home and try to get some one of the one of the folks there sometimes would, would go get everybody lunch or something and bring it back and it was always, you know, some kind of fast food. So I felt like I was eating fast food for three meals a day, five days a week. And wow. Just just so that when I got home, I didn't have to worry about cooking and things like that. I mean, I could literally eat eat the burger on the way home, and by the time I got home, I could start working again. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, you know, I felt like I gave up and sacrificed a lot of those relationships that I had built up. You know, I felt like I was in fairly good shape at the time, and just I totally destroyed all that. And you know, the thing that I feel like I've learned is that you don't have to do that. Hmm. Um, to be successful, but I do think you have to be willing to do that. Yeah. And and if you want to grow at an extremely fast pace, which is what I was trying to do because I was trying to grow it to get back to the financial situation that I would, that I would, had been in, and at the same time um, to try to you know get myself back, get the company back to Auburn. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of where I stood on 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 where I was at the at the beginning of all that. I mean, it was. Looking back, it was 16 to 20-hour days. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like I sacrificed sleep. I mean, it'd be 2 a.m. and then up at 6 or 7. And um, I mean, it was that's a part that's a part of it I don't like to go back and think about, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, just because I don't know, it's just it was it was not good for you. Yeah, you know, and it it, it it led to some good things, but you know that was just not a that was not a fun part of life. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that's the part I kind of. I regret that some of the people that work with us can't go back and see. Mm-hmm. And also, too, it's one of the fears I have that my girls will never know mm-hmm. what that was like. Mm-hmm. You know, I may have to teach that to them one day, but I'm not, you know, they, they, they're they growing up in an environment where they don't see dad working those kind of hours and doing those kind of things that created that environment. And I kind of struggle with how are they going to learn that that's what it took to live the life that, that, that we're living. And, you know, that's just something that I struggle with on a daily yeah. basis, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and, and certainly you're, you're super driven. You're like, when you get in on something, you, you dive in hard, but it, it when I met you, I remember thinking, here's a guy who takes all of his logs and dumps them all, all on, on his fire. professional fire. Yes. I completely um, agree. Uh, so that was a little bit about the personal sacrifices, Where'd you come up with the funding for, uh, to, I mean, you're selling clothes. Right. Like, where'd that? Did you, did so, uh, when I was selling insurance, I was actually good at it. Mm-hmm. And I did very well in the one year that I did it. Mm-hmm. And saved up enough money 
that I had a you know good little nest egg there. And then when I got fired, I also had a bonus structure in place um, where I got a bonus. I think it was 8% of anything over $2 million. Mm-hmm. And we had done like 2.3 or 2.4 million that year. So I was going to get like, you know, whatever that is, 24, 30 grand bonus. And I took that money along with some of the money that I saved up to start the mint and, uh, or the sold insurance and I use that to start the mint. When I go back and think about it, I, th- I think it was about 60 grand all mm-hmm. in that, that it took out of my, my savings or checking account. And then I ruined my credit when I first started wow, yeah. because I, I signed up for every credit card that people would send me so that I could have enough room on credit cards to buy inventory. And I, I think it was 13 different credit cards that I had at one wow. time. And the most they would give you is like three grand. Right. You know, but I knew if I could do 13 times three, that's $39,000. Well, that's enough to buy a couple months worth of inventory. So, but the, I mean, the craziest thing was different vendors had different credit cards on file. And it was just, oh, it was a complete, complete nightmare. Totally ruined my credit. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know some of the things like if you, you know, if you canceled credit cards, it can hurt you. I mean, just totally, totally ruined my credit, you know, and. I even had, I, I still to this day, I won't use American Express um, <laughs> because American Express canceled my credit card because I had too many and I'd never missed a payment. And I was just so ticked that someone would cancel that on you, even though I have made every single payment that you've asked me to make. Wow. And, and so anyway, uh, a lot of my buddies try to get me on those American Express points right now and I yeah. just, I don't know, for some reason, I'm standing my ground on that one. They, yeah, they I, guess, I, guess, I guess we're not getting Amex as a four-fire sponsor. That's, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, over my dead body. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm They're kidding. not sponsoring the, uh, the podcast. But, yes, yes, um, that was that was sort of how we kind of got started. And, and there's a lot of people that I talk to that can't believe that it, it only took that much, you know, that much money to start. But in, in reality, too, I mean, in an online store, you know, a legal pad and a laptop, you can start one. Yeah. You know, but, you know, to make it successful, you got to do a lot, a lot more than just yeah. take pictures of clothes and put them online. I can't imagine the, um, the conversation with your wife. Hey, honey, I just got fired, but I got this really great idea. Yes. And, the, and we're going to take every, all the stability in our life, all sorry. of the savings. Yep. Oh, and oh, by the way, I'm going to be gone for 18 months. 18 months. Yep. So, the best thing that happened to me was that I had already proven that it would work. Mm, okay. And so there was proof of concept there. That's good. And so it was like the, the, the cool part now was, you know, I can replicate this and now I can grow it to where I thought we could grow it and start making the, the money that we thought we were getting ready to get into with where I had gotten the other company. And so, she, you know, I give my wife a lot of credit on this. She, she, she totally believes in me. You know, from she's believed in me from the beginning. I mean, that's I honestly think that's one of the reasons she married me is because she, she, she believed in me. And I've always been high strong about business ideas, and that was kind of how I got into uh, helping helping the um, the people over in, in Columbus. Was her dad was a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. that had bought, sold companies, started companies, the whole thing. And I used to carry around when I was in college. I carried around a little steno pad of all the businesses I wanted to start. Mm. And it just, I mean, just the craziest things. Late night pizza delivery truck. Still think that would do good. Yeah. Uh, ride around some of the college towns between 10 o'clock and 2 a.m., four hours, and you can sell $10 pizzas. Instead of an ice cream truck yeah. for kids, I want a pizza truck 
for college kids. Brilliant. And, you know, I, I vividly remember that one because I always, like, try to put in, like, how much would that take me? I could go buy hot and ready's for $5, sell them for 10 and no one would care, you know. Yeah. Don't even have to get a pizza oven or anything. But there's all kind of things, reasons you can't do that. But anyway, he got a, he, he learned that I had that book. We went and ate dinner one night with the families, and, and he was there, and he found out about that book. And he said, I want you to come ride around with me. He was retired, drove a dump truck. Love mm-hmm. to drive a dump truck. And so – we sat in his dump truck for three or four hours, and I went over all these business ideas, and that's when he said, I want to introduce you to my daughter. She's got a brick-and-mortar store, and I really think you could help her, and that's how I kind of got uh, introduced to the women's boutique world. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've always been like that, and she's always known I was that way. So yeah. my wife had already known, you know, always known that I'd, I like that kind of stuff. And then the best thing for me was proof of concept because I can't imagine going to her for the first time and telling her that we're going to put all of our savings and everything into this idea that I haven't proven okay. would actually work. I, like that one would be, that'd be a tough one yeah, for tough anybody stuff. to swallow. So um, I think that having that proof of concept was really the reason why there was, you know, and there's a part of me and you know this, I'm, you know, extremely high D mm-hmm. and we laugh about this, but you know, and, and I don't think this is necessarily a good thing, but sometimes I was going to do it regardless. Yep. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if she knew that, so that she so she just went along, you know, to be yeah. supportive. But you know, she's always been very supportive of me. Always believed in me, and so, you know, I think that having that proof of concept and proving that I would do it just reassured her that you know I do know what I was talking about yeah. when, when I'm trying to pitch that to the quote unquote family. Yeah, that that high D. What we're talking about the high dominance personality type um, is is something that is fairly common amongst founder entrepreneurs. It is this, these are people who are risk takers, that they are very task oriented, they're outgoing. These people are are wired to love winning and maybe more than that, to hate losing. Oh, for sure. And that that is both, that's, a, that's one of those double-edged swords in right. life. It is super valuable when harnessed, uh, it, it comes out as we're, we're really passionate. The there's a shadow side to that that can have um, it can have us get really really obsessed. P- particularly, professional fire is the place that I find the world will tell us we lo- we love to win, and you know, I'm also fairly high D in that personality profile, that dominance personality profile. And what the world will tell us is that winning looks like commas and zeros in the bank account. Yep. And when someone defines winning for us, we want to win. That's right. And so we go after it. Um, the danger of that is when we have a poor definition of winning. If that's, if that's the only way we can define winning, then our lives become very one-dimensional. And one of the things we talk about is redefining winning um, for these for these high D personality types. The recognition that winning at life doesn't just mean having commas and, commas zeros. and zeros. For sure. That winning at life means living a four dimensional life, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's one of the things that we do with a lot of the four fires executive coaching that we do, and when we talk about. Um, people living four dimensionally, it, it really, it really is reframing and harnessing our internal drive to win, but just focusing it 
in a way that is four-dimensional instead of one-dimensional. So, so I, I recognize and I wrestle with, um, man, we have to have mom- oftentimes the stories of people who have won big had a season where they just dumped all of their all of their logs on their professional fire. For sure. And and now I feel like you're in this place where you have some more time freedom and some some ability to to be more intentional, live more intentionally in how you allocate your logs. What would you do different? Knowing what you know now, because really, I guess, how old were you when we started introducing the the four fires philosophy? Like 32 or three? Mm -hmm. I think it's been about five years since I've been aware of the four fires. I'm 38 now, so that puts me at 33. Yeah. So what what would you, if anything, what would you tell 28-year-old Justin um, if or, or anybody who's out there and they are young and driven and they have more ideas than they have resources, like, would you advise them to do anything different? Or or do, would you just say, you got to go all in for a season, but no, it's a season? Knowing what you know about the four fires now, what would you tell that? So <clears throat> I've had the privilege to start some other companies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that... One of the things that I've become passionate about is not necessarily necessarily increasing my commas and zeros, but increasing the commas and zeros of the uh, other people around me because I've seen what that's done for my perspective about money Hmm. uh, as well as, 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 as time and how you spend that time. One of my partners is single, not married, doesn't have kids, uh, can literally create his own schedule and work when he wants to. For that 28-year-old guy, I would say go all in, mm-hmm. sacrifice everything. You can do whatever you want to, spend 20 hours a day. I had another buddy that I started one with, and he had a wife mm-hmm. with two kids and one on the way. Mm-hmm. And I would tell him the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. In fact, I did. Mm-hmm. The only thing is he's got to be willing to accept that his will not grow as fast as these others grew because of how much time he can put into it every day. But he can still get the same result, may take a little bit longer, but at the same time, I think that he would totally regret Hmm. sacrificing the time with his kids versus, you know, basically looking back years from now and knowing that he wasted some very impressionable moments for his sons and, and eventual daughter. And... That was one of one of the rules I had with him was do not call me between four and eight o'clock. Don't mm-hmm. call me. Don't text me. Don't. You better not be in that office. Like from four to eight, when your kids get home from school to when they go to bed, you need to be in there. That's only four hours out of twenty four hours in the day. Yeah. Now when they go to sleep, if you want to get in there and grind till twelve, two o'clock, go at it. Mm-hmm. But from four to eight, don't miss that time. Yeah. And so I think. In order to answer that question, I feel like it totally depends on a guy's situation. Yeah. Because I have an enormous amount of respect for people that have built companies that have a wife, kids, when they started. Because yeah. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I had a wife, but we didn't. When, when if it's just you and your wife, y'all, you can do anything. You yeah. can you can manage anything. You can you can overcome anything, and those are your choices. Yeah. But I think that that those choices have a huge impact on your kids when 
when you're trying to win at that. If you're winning, if you're spinning all your fires on that professional fire while you have kids, uh, you're, you're leaving a lot of logs off some fires that are much more important in the grand scheme of things. And that's one of the things that I've, I'm kind of excited about because uh, this, this next fall will be the first time that both of my kids are in school from 8 to 3. Right mm-hmm. now, my youngest is in pre-K, and she goes from 8 to 12. Yeah. So next, in August of this year, actually, will be my first experience back to the from 8 to 3. There's no one in our house. Mm-hmm. And I get some free time to go. You know, I'm excited because I feel like I want to go get back into it and, yeah. and grind a little more. But now I know that I can grind between eight o'clock and two fifty, you know, two forty five. Yeah. And then I can be a dad from three o'clock till, till eight o'clock. Yeah. And so, you know, though it's, in order to answer that question, I feel like it just totally depends on where you are in life and what stage of life you're in. If you're married or if you have kids and things like that. Like, I, I think that if you don't have kids and you want to, you want that life that you should grind as hard as you possibly can while you can. And then once that, once once you once you do get into that stage of, of infancy and having kids and things like that, like that's an important time to to be there with your family and, and to make sure that you're not out, you know, you know, doing 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 a lot. And, and two, it also depends on where you are financially. Yeah, we can get you can totally get caught up in it. You can totally get caught up in it. And and one of the things that I have learned, and I think I've told you this, is. There's a big difference in a lifestyle between some like a family that makes a hundred thousand dollars and a family that makes four hundred thousand dollars. Yep. Big difference in the lifestyle. But there's not a big difference in the lifestyle of someone that makes four hundred thousand dollars and someone that makes a million. Right. There's only so many restaurants you can eat at, so many cars you can buy, or so many houses you can build and things like that. There's not a big difference. So if you're sacrificing a lot of the time with your family and you're already making half a million dollars a year and you're trying to get to that million dollar a year number or whatever, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Just, I mean, in my experience, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And, and the cool part to me is, you know, you only get 18 years of your life with your kids in your house. And yeah. when they're gone, like I worry about what I'm going to do. Yeah. But I kind of don't worry about it because I know that I'm going to get back out there and get right into the grind. Of yeah. it, you know, and I think my wife and I both love that. And, and, and it's not that we're looking forward to that, but at the same time, we know that that opportunity is, is still there and that if we, if we sacrifice that opportunity now, we would totally regret it, you know, 18 years from now or 14 years from now when our littlest leave finally leaves the nest. And so I just, you know, I feel like it, you know, I feel like that totally just depends on where you are in life yeah. and, and, and where you are financially, where you are with the relationships, if you have a spouse or if you don't have a spouse or if you have kids and don't have a kid. Uh, so I, th- I feel like that answer just totally depends on your situation, and I think that's something that everybody needs to assess for themselves is at the end of the day, what kind of dollars and what are you giving up for your time, uh, especially with young, impressionable mm-hmm. you know, kids that, that you're, you're in charge of. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super wise to that there's not a unilateral answer there, but it is an assessment of what is your current state and – and do are there other people that you've already made promises, explicit or implicit, yep. um, as to how you're going to spend your time? Um, all right, I want to go down. You and I have been through a lot over the last five years, kind of since since we started our journey together. So, so those are great. Those stories, I love. I love the framing for you to have been able to say, "Hey, there was a moment where it was dark." For and sure. hey, there was a moment where it was just I had to be all in. Um, 
So that's great for the start, the startup entrepreneur. The other shift that I think that you have made that has been really big and, and has changed who you get to be is when we first started talking, you were, you were all in running the mint julep for sure. And, um, I want you to unpack a little bit for the entrepreneur or the person who is in their professional fire, maybe a business owner, and they are, they've had some financial success and they have a business that is thriving and can support employees and, and, and a pretty decent lifestyle. Um, what was it? So now you're not operating. And I think this is one of the places that we work with entrepreneurs to kind of help people understand there's another level um, where you are not necessarily the operator, but you're the owner. Talk a little bit about what that shift was like for you um, emotionally and then even tactically. How did you how did you make that shift to a point where you're not you're, you own the business, but you're not going into the office every day? Um, yeah, so I always say that my oldest slowed me down and my youngest made me quit when it comes mm-hmm. to my kids. And basically the way the way that happened was that I realized, you know, I was all in about I mean, I was working every single day. I, was, I lived, ate and, and breathed it. And when I started wanting to spend more time at home and, and, and that kind of thing, I I started realizing that Basically, like we talked about earlier, there's other ways of winning at life. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that if I were to go back to the mint and grind, I could make more money than I do right now. But what is that dollar worth in terms of my time? And so, anyway, you know, looking back on it, I had, I want to say, 10 different people that I felt like reported to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're growing and changing and doing all kinds of things. And to be honest, in my own, to, to my own fault, I created an environment where everybody came to me for the answer. Mm. Instead of thinking of the answer on their own, they're like, it's just too easy to go ask Justin if I have a question and Justin will answer it. Well, it gets to be taxing when you have so many people. You didn't, I didn't do a good job of, you know, building, you know, building my team necessarily. And, and, and not that I picked the wrong people or anything, but just I just put the you know wrong expectations into play and, and you don't know what you don't know, and it's growing so fast. You're just trying to do the best you can, and and you're good at some things and not good at others. And I always laugh. My, I always say that my wife and my brother-in-law are my best employees. Hmm. And the reason I think they were my best was because I'm a person that creates chaos, and they are they are people that clean it up. Like bring, they are bring or, order to chaos. They are, they're or they are organized as they can be. And I mean that was one of the things my my wife and I think they still use these to this to this day at the mint, but. I mean, she created customer service binders where, like, if anybody asked a question in an email or whatever, this is how you answer it. Mm-hmm. These are the buttons you click. Like, you could hire anybody off the street right now. They could walk in there and they could, you know, open the book and find the answer. They may not be as quick, but they can, you know, totally do that. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. I could never create that order. I'm, I'm a... I'm a, you know, I'm a math and data guy. I'm a chemical engineer, like I said, at heart, but... Like, I like experiments. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to try all kinds of stuff. And a guy used to tell me all the time, he'd say, you grab a handful of thumbtacks and you throw them at the wall and you see which ones stick. And I feel like that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I, you know, see an idea, I'm going to try it, see if it works. If it works, great, we'll scale it, 
And if it doesn't, we'll move on and do something else. And so early on in businesses, there's a lot of that, I feel like. And then once you start figuring out that system, that 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 plan, if you will, of how it's supposed to work, it gets boring for me, mm. just to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I like the games. I like the puzzles. I like winning. And then if, if, if winning becomes just doing what we did last year and sort of just like slowly grow in this thing, like that gets boring to me. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much money uh, I feel like I get for being in that place. You know, I, I, I felt a little miserable. Mm-hmm. And and at, and at that point, too, I wasn't necessarily concerned about growing it because I was at a place financially where I was fine and I wanted to go spend some time with my girls while they were, you know, while they were little and while they were young. And, I mean, to me, starting one is way more fun, even to this day. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I could lose money at it and and have more fun than going and making, you know, a lot more money at some of the other businesses that we do have. And, and so – you know, I, I, I kind of put myself in a position where every day was just, you know, tough, with built, built, filled with stress and decided that I needed to do something different and make a move. And I was the wrong person leading the company at that point. For what, Sometimes I always believe that the company can outgrow people mm-hmm. and, and people can outgrow a company. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I kind of felt like that my company was outgrowing me mm-hmm. and that I wasn't the person to, to lead it anymore. And I felt like I was holding myself back by leading it and at the same time holding the company back by leading it. Hmm. I didn't necessarily create some of the best culture environments, you know, um, just, you know, from the, from the way I am. Um, I'm very, you know, high strung and I like chaos. And there's a lot of people that just don't function well with chaos. And so anyway, um, that's sort of when you and I started talking. And the first thing we did was the uh, the engagement survey, because mm-hmm. um, again, it goes back to being a data driven person. You know, you and I are talking, and you basically explained to me that you can quantify the way people feel mm. or their emotional state. Yeah. And to me, I was like, man, that's really cool that now I can put a number to people, mm-hmm. and 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 kind of know where they stand, and you know, in certain departments. You know, there may be some 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 potential of attrition there, where yeah. people may be leaving because they're not happy. And um, one of the one of the things you and I talked about one time that was just you know so eye opening for me was if at that time I think the marketing team had a great culture, yeah. and if if you bumped into somebody around town that was from the marketing department and asked them how it is working for the Mint, they would just talk about how great it was, great it was. But there was like sort of disorder with our storefront. Mm-hmm. And if you ask one of those people, you know, what's it like working for the Mint? They'd be like, oh, it's, you know, I don't like it at all. I like the people I work with, you know. And so anyway, um, that was sort of eye-opening for me that there were some issues there. And um, just the industry that we had, I felt like I wasn't the right leader. And so you and I started talking about well, who, who might be. And, um, you know, we we found like we felt like we put a, found some people and put a plan in place to sort of execute that. And it took us 12, 18 months to kind of put that plan together and kind of like slowly trickle it out. And I think that it has, you know, well, the proof is in the pudding kind of. It's yeah. totally worked. It's, you know, it's done really well for a lot of people. It's done a lot of good for a lot of people. It's been good for me. It's been good for them. You know, they've been able to start families and, and provide for their families. And um, I don't know, just the overall experience has been – Let's let really you well. let you move on and do what you do well. You know, For one sure. Of, one of the things we talk about is that there are visionaries and there are executives, and that clearly you are you are a visionary. Like in the in the idea of terrible executive. Yeah, yeah. That that just because 
Um, just because you create something does not mean that you're the person to manage it once it gets to a certain level. For sure. Um, there's, uh, and that's a hard lesson, too, because for me, like, you talk about, like, not liking losing. Yeah. Like, I hate to lose. Yeah. Like, I do not like to know that I can't do something. That's right. Well, the entrepreneurs, they're the Navy SEALs of business people. They're high commitment, high competence, high competition. Like, these people think man, I, if there's a job out there, I can do it and I'm going to win. Yeah, for sure. And the idea of stepping away from something can sometimes be viewed as failure. But if we reframe it like, hey, your gift to the planet is in creation, like in right. getting things from zero right. up into orbit, not in managing once it gets there, right. then all of a sudden you've now redefined, again, what professionally even, what your craft is, your craft is I create things. Right. Well, and that's something too that I feel like I had some success with at, at the Mint and some of our other businesses is when I would go around, I mean, when you first start, it's you wear a ton of hats. Yeah. As you hire somebody, you kind of split the hats up. So now you got these hats, right. I got these hats. Well, when you're, when you're growing, there are hats you don't like wearing. For sure. So one of the cool things we did was just go ask the people what you don't like to do. And we're going to create a job post about the things you don't like to do. And somebody's going to look at that and say, hey, I want to do those things. Yeah. I like doing those things. And they're going to apply. And now all of a sudden you build this, you know, you build a company that's got a bunch of people that have signed up to do the things that they like to do. Oh. And I think one of the hardest things for me was, it was actually the best thing for me was to know I don't like doing this. Mm. I don't like leading this mature company. Yeah. You know, and I'm good at doing this other thing over here. Yeah. But there are a lot of people or some people that like to manage that company yeah. and, and want to do that. And so I feel like, you know, while I did that within my company, I never did that with myself. And and that that was something that I feel like, you know, we, you and I sort of exposed for me is that that's totally what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Um, all right. So... So we could go on for, oh, you, hours. we could go could on for, for hours. hours. Yeah. I could talk for hours. Um, and this is just, uh, and we'll, we'll have you back um, because I, I want to hear some of the other pieces of the story and how some of the other fires uh, in your life have have really been fed over the last five years. Uh, but but to kind of put a bow on it, if if you could communicate a handful of things in the professional fire. We talk about, it, it, at first it's about identifying your craft and then your ability to convert your craft into cash. Mm-hmm. Like, like what, if, if, where have you found success in that? If you could give some people just like a hand, one or two pieces of advice. Um, maybe, maybe I'll say one framed for the early, the person who's, who's sitting there with their book full of ideas, but they haven't done anything yet. One piece of advice for them. And then one piece of advice for the business owner who is just grinding and they are, they're winning and they're grinding. Right. Yeah. I think, so there's a couple things there to me. I've always heard to be very careful of making your passion, your job. Mm. And, and I think for us, too, when we're talking about the four fires, sometimes people have to be careful about their passion and their craft and thinking those are the same thing. Mm. And I think that those can oftentimes be very different things. Yeah. And, you know, you made a statement to me one time when you and I were talking 
that you felt like your craft was sort of what you was your product yeah. for for your company, whereas my I was not selling my craft to anyone. And you know that kind of struck me as like there's a, there, I bet there's a lot of people in those same situations where you know that sort of it varies from person to person. So one thing I would say is that your craft doesn't necessarily have to define what business you're in, hmm. and 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 be careful of whether or not your craft and your passion are the exact same, or if those are actually two different things. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're sitting there, I mean, that, for that guy that's sitting there with that book of ideas, you know, I just, I, I swear by this, but I would just look for the best opportunity. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what product or what industry I would love to be in. Because, like, I go back and say, like, I would love it if I sold men's hunting clothes. Mm-hmm. We could go on hunting trips, and we could. That could be our. Mar- I can't imagine getting to go on a photo shoot, and and we're we're in hunting clothes, and you know, in Montana, Montana, Montana yeah. yeah, elk hunting somewhere, you know. Instead, I, I, we send all our people to the beach, and you know, I don't get to go, and you know, things like that, <laughs> yeah. you know. But the the opportunity was to, to for me to get where I wanted to go was much better over there than it was for me to go sell, you know, men's men's hunting clothes. And so, you know, I feel like my piece of advice there would just be to look for the opportunity yeah. that has sort of the greatest, you know, return or reward. And, and it just kind of de- depends on what, like I said before, like where you are in life mm-hmm. and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to, you know, build. And it takes a long time. I mean, it's the Mint's been going for, what is this now, 11 years? Yeah. And so it, it was only four or five years ago where I was in this situation. So there, there was six years of like, total grind Mm -hmm. and I think you know in today's today's age it's a lot about instant gratification and as soon as you do something you want to see the result and I feel like for everybody it just takes a long long time Um, and so that that's why I say sort of you know look for the opportunity Um, I like that and for, distinguish your craft. Distinguish from, your craft. They can be the same, yeah. for sure. But but sometimes you can like be led down the wrong path of thinking that what you, you know what 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 your God given ability is is what you enjoy doing. Yeah. You know, and that may, or that that's the best business opportunity, or that, or that that's the best business opportunity. Exactly. And so you know, I, I just feel like you know, there's some proceed with caution mm-hmm. um, in in that area of of defining your craft. Um, and then because because there is the other side of that is converting your craft into cash. That's right. And so, you know, your passion may not necessarily be your craft that you were supposed to be converting to cash to help support your family and provide for your family. And so I just think that guys should be, be very careful to make sure that that's, you know, if, if that's what they're supposed to be doing, fine. But, yeah. you know, oftentimes I feel like that there, there could be some confusion there yeah. and could lead people down sort of the wrong path, if yep. you will. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of. I guess the way I would put it. Yeah. And what about for the guy, gal who's over there grinding away, building the business? Um, so it's funny. For that guy, I want to say this is that you can do both. Mm. Do both both what? You can you can you can be all in about your company and you can also you can cover those other three fires. You can live four dimensionally. You can live four dimensionally totally. You can totally do it. And the craziest thing to me that I has discovered is I've actually made more money 
mm. in balancing my four fires yeah. than when I had all of my logs on the four fires, which is crazy to think on about. On your professional fire. I'm, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. then having all of my logs on my professional fire. And so it's been funny. I've met a couple guys at the summit, mm-hmm. and it's been it's so cool to see them like they were where I was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And you're like, bro, you can totally do both. Yeah. You can totally balance all of your logs on your fires and dominate at your company. It doesn't seem like it, but one of the greatest things that you you had ever, you know, you ever told me was just like, "Won't you leave for a week and just see what happens?" Mm-hmm. You know, just see if they can do it. Yeah. You know, and as bad as you want to think that your company can't live without you, you know, mm. there, you know, if you've done a good job of hiring the right people and things like that, like they can totally they can handle it. Um, at least for a little while and just it just it, it it just shows you that you don't have to be there 24/7 yeah. and that you can step away and you can build systems and put checks and balances into place where you know we've created dashboards where if things are out of you know out of hand it, they can alert us I don't have to look at it every single day yeah but you know my people know if there's a problem that they can't figure out they can always pick up the phone and call me and you know we'll try to figure it out together yeah. and so um I think that the, the advice to that guy is that you can totally do both. And at the end of the day, I truly feel like you'll regret it if you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I mentioned this before I go, one of the, one of the pivotal moments for me, I was actually um, Gus Malzahn, mm-hmm. a former head coach for Auburn football. I was having dinner with him one night at, a, at, a, at an event, and he and I were talking about, he asked me the question of uh, how was my morning routine? Yeah. What, what I like to do. And anyway, I talked about, you know, fixing breakfast for my girls and things like that. And um, I'm sure it's okay if I share this, but he, he told me that that was incredible that I did that because he felt like that that was one of the mistakes he made in life was that he regretted, or he, he had this regret that he felt like he neglected his girls. Hmm. He had two daughters as well, and they were grown at the time, getting married, and, and they were moving out of state and things like that. And like all of a sudden, that he realized that time with them is now gone. Yeah. And for a guy that had the contracts that he had at Auburn, making the tens of millions of dollars, I mean, this guy I totally looked up to, great Christian man. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to like openly admit that and just say that, yeah. You know, um, that made a humongous impact on me. Yeah. Um, and the decision I made, you know, to sort of like start putting that as a priority. I mean, you got this guy that you totally respect and totally look at, look up to, and this guy says his biggest regret is neglecting his family basically yeah. for his profession. Yep. And, you know, I guarantee you if, if he looked back at it and he could trade some of that money for some of that time, yep. totally would totally do it. So I felt like at, at the time I was like 34 years old, 35 years old. And at the time, um, that was very, very instrumental in, in, in you know, me, cause he's, you know, 50 something and this guy's yeah. telling you this and now all of a sudden I got an opportunity to take advantage of that yeah. wisdom at 20 years earlier than he did yeah and uh, so you know that's that, that that opened my eyes to that and and then that's what led me to you and I talking about this stuff and then implementing those things and it's led me to try to create that balance and it's crazy to see that you know it's all worked out um, the companies are still surviving yep. I'm actually making more money than I was when I was there and you know there are other people that are benefiting from it and it's an all-around just you know incredible experience um, versus the alternative yeah of pouring all those logs and eating all that fast food and, and uh, missing time with the girls missing and time with the girls and the wife and um, missing time with the guys yeah I mean, sure. that, I mean you, you, sa- sacrificed all of my relationships with my buddies yeah um, and so you know we've been able to rekindle that and help some of those guys create some financial freedom and that's just been 
an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. So. Well, we we can. I want to. I want to come back again sometime and and dig into talking about your friends' fire. Talking about. Um, oh, I mean, we got some good stories there for sure. And um, and 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 how does this impact our purpose fire and faith and uh, physical fire? You've there's there's been a big journey there. Oh, for sure. I mean, like so. So, um, so we will find another time to uh, to get Would together. Love to. Would love to. Um, but. But for now, hopefully that has been interesting for the uh, for the Four Fires Nation out there. Um, we appreciate y'all listening in, and as always, live intentionally. All right, thanks for having me. Yeah.